You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hey, everybody. It's David Waters from the Gators Breakdown Podcast. Thanks for joining us here. Look, go do something new here. Gators Breakdown Plus, what I'll do is I'll take that uh, Periscope and I'll turn it into a podcast and it'll be called Gators Breakdown Plus. So this is uh, something new. We're going to try it and see how it goes. Uh, you guys requested it. I turn it into an audio version. So it'll be uploaded to all, all the platforms, iTunes, YouTube, uh, Google Play, SoundCloud, all that good stuff. So uh, thanks for checking it out and go Gators. Get things going soon. Uh, just with the holidays, kind of hard to get uh, Bill and... Will and I together uh, for, for a podcast. So spend some time with family during the holidays. So uh, glad you guys were still interested in uh, us doing a Gators Breakdown. I know I put out a poll yesterday to kind of see if we were going to do a year in review type of show. Uh, but like I said, we're around the holidays and got some family time. I have some time off of work. So go to spend some time with the family and uh, just do a little short. Uh, what we kind of do on Periscope now, uh, kind of Gators Breakdown Plus. Uh, if you kind of haven't noticed on the uh, the, the feed uh, for SoundCloud, iTunes, or or whatever, you know, we'll uh, we'll take these periscopes, break it down into a podcast form for you guys. So that's kind of why it's a little different right now. We're gonna, you know, with the season slowing down and uh, the off season and all recruiting kind of taking over right now, we don't no no, no need for us to really do three shows a week uh, like we were doing. Uh, but so, but we are going to fill it in with these uh, Gator Breakdowns Plus, you know, kind of an easy way to go about it with these periscopes and turn it into a podcast. So, uh, glad you guys are interested in and uh, in, in still uh, us, us doing it this way. Don't don't get me wrong. We'll be still be doing uh, Bill, Will, and I'll still be doing at least one show a week uh, with just you know me and Will or me or Bill and all three of us. So uh, we'll kind of see how it goes. But um, right now that's how we're going to do things, especially around the holidays. So uh, thanks guys for uh, joining us. Uh, on Gators Breakdown. It's been a really great year, 2017. Bigger things are coming in 2018, uh, so you know, stay tuned, keep your ears uh, open out there, keep your eyes open. Uh, some things are coming our way uh, with Gators Breakdown. So, uh, of course, Will just launched readreaction.com. You can read his stuff there. Uh, he's left uh, SEC country, started his own venture. Uh, some big risks there, but things are going good for Will, so thanks you guys for helping him out uh, on that podcast and uh, or that website. Uh, hopefully, uh, uh, everything is uh, going good for Will there. I believe it is. The numbers are really good. Uh, he's been sharing with us, and Gator, he's given a Gators Breakdown tab there uh, as well to kind of uh, help Gators Breakdown since he's on the show. And uh, we, you know, Bill, I brought Bill along in 2017 uh, around February signing day uh, last year. So Bill's been with Gators Breakdown for almost a year. So like I said, 2017 was a great year. Let's kind of we're going to review just a little bit and what happened of 2017 um, with, with the Gators. I know it was a uh, a different year for Florida <laughs> uh, with a coaching change. Hope you guys can hear me uh, trying out the new AirPods here. Uh, so hopefully, uh, you know, everything still sounds good uh, uh, along that uh, way. But, yeah, as I mentioned, uh, year in review, kind of, if you go back a year ago, look, Florida was preparing for a bowl game going against Iowa in the Outback Bowl. Florida wins that game. Uh, convincingly against Iowa, and look, we think that's setting up a big 2017 uh, for the Gators. Uh, is you know you, you want to win a bowl game, see if that translates uh, into some positive momentum uh, for the program, and it seemed like it was. You know, Florida goes into spring. Uh, Felipe Franks is quarterback. Fans are eager to see Felipe Franks taking over, uh, and you know, had an okay spring game. 
And uh, you know, it was, was enough to get fans excited for something new. Uh, it was a quarterback that McElwain and Nussmeyer had recruited. Uh, and we just kind of, a lot of people wanted to see uh, what he could do. Some people weren't impressed with what he did in spring. Some people were. But we know we'll fast forward uh, and kind of, we got even more excited after spring when the quarterback recruiting in 2017 really started to ramp up. Um, the secret visits of Justin Fields on campus at Florida and uh, all that good stuff. I remember a picture was sent to me. Um, it was during baseball season, and there's a golf cart with Justin Fields' name on it. And it's like, hey, should this be happening? Uh, what's going on here? Uh, and so I, I had to ask where the picture come from, and I, I sent it to some sources that I know down in Gainesville. And they're like, oh, that's not supposed to get out. This is supposed to be secret. So uh, Justin Fields was really supposed to have all these secret visits to Florida and to Auburn and all these other uh, campuses. Uh, but, you know, Florida could never really get a beat on him. He had some interest in Florida, uh, but also in, in all the other programs. And, and we know eventually uh, came along uh, Matt Corral in the summertime and getting him committed from McElwain and Nussmeyer, a big-time uh, five-star, four-star quarterback that uh, Matt, McElwain and Nussmeyer were finally able to get. Um, and we thought, uh, hey, look, everything is, is going great. Everything in Gator Nation looks good. Uh, had a really good spring. Uh, you can see that Magdalena is targeting big-time quarterbacks. Um, and, you know, from there, there was also news of Malik Zaire finally being uh, being able to come in as a grad transfer from Notre Dame. And uh, we broke down on Gators' breakdown a, a good bit of why I, didn't, I wasn't too excited about Malik Zaire coming in. And not necessarily – it was a little bit of a knock on his ability – um, from what I, I, he didn't do great things at Notre Dame, didn't really have a chance to do great things at, at Notre Dame after he got injured. Uh, but you know, I did not see him as a fit for the McElwain Nussmeyer offense. They refused to run quarterbacks. Nussmeyer had a history of refusing refusing to run quarterbacks with Devin Gardner back in Michigan, Treon Harris his previous uh, uh, stint at Florida with, with Nussmeyer uh, as offensive coordinator his first season there. Uh, so. You know, it was. Uh, uh, I, I didn't believe Malik Zaire would do much at Florida, um, just because more of the coaching staff more than it was him. So, look, that's kind of what it did. Summer rolls along. I mentioned the quarterback recruiting. You were still recruiting Justin Fields. You were still recruiting Matt Corral. Late July, Friday Night Lights comes about. Matt Corral commits. A flood of other commitments come in uh, because they finally had a linchpin quarterback that they could count on. Everything is going great in Gator Nation. You had coaches uh, jumping in pools, excited for recruiting. You had Jacob Copeland and Jamar Chase committing to Florida. You moved, um, uh, um, you had uh, uh, the running back, uh, Damian Pierce, who was uh, coming in. Oh, yeah, I forgot about the – I'm glad you guys were there. Stidham. Uh, yeah, the big swing and miss with Jarrett Stidham. Got in late. Now for, I mean, look, we can sit here and we, we could talk ad nauseum about how just inept the previous coaching staff was at recruiting and getting in so late on Jarrett Stidham when they probably honestly had a good chance of getting him if they really uh, wanted him early. But, you know, they had their chance. They just, for whatever reason, just waited. They didn't, they got in late. Auburn had a big head start. Florida didn't really start talking to him until December, uh, about a year ago. Um, you know, right before the SEC championship game uh, about trying to get Jarrett Sidham in. It was too little too late. Uh, too much work to do to make up. Uh, uh, but that's just you know, another example of, of you know, what we'll get into uh, of, of what happened. But as I mentioned, you know, recruiting took off um, uh, during, the, um, you know, during the summer after Friday Night Lights, mainly Matt Corral uh, being the linchpin there. And uh, everything was setting up for, for a big season. Recruiting was going well. He had Felipe Franks, the starting quarterback. Everyone was kind of ready to see what a Michael Wayne Nussmeyer quarterback could do. Um, then the bad news kind of started around the same time as that. Marcel Harris gets injured, uh, a big blow to the defense that was replacing defensive coordinator Jeff Collins, who went on to Temple to be head coach. And then it all kind of came, the, the, the beginning of the end come in August. Uh, the credit card scandal. We heard, I remember it was a Saturday morning and I kind of waking up and I, I remember I had to go to a, a birthday party of a family member and, and seeing all this stuff that I had so many direct messages on Twitter and uh, text messages and everything coming about with this credit card scandal and how, how players were using uh, student financial aid cards to, to, to make purchases and uh, stuff, stuff they shouldn't buy and to all the credit card, uh, you know, 
stealing identities of other people and uh, paying rent for whatever it, it was for, for their uh, hotels and buying snacks and all, all that stuff. And hey, look, that was kind of the beginning of the end. If you want to go back and do revisionist history of, uh, for Jim McElwain, uh, it, 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 it made it a point to where Tyree Cleveland – I mean, not Tyree Cleveland, excuse me. Didn't mean to throw him. Uh, Antonio Callaway was the, the big name there uh, who had also been in previous trouble just a couple months earlier to, to do it in traffic stop. And then I found uh, marijuana on him. You also had uh, uh, you know Jordan Scarlett, who was the linchpin running back, who would have been the starting running, would have been the starting running back for the team who had really carried the team late last year. We all remember the LSU game uh, when Florida went to the to, to Baton Rouge and uh, beat LSU with Jordan Scarlett's really strong running in the second half, and big things were expected from him uh, coming into the season. But those were the two big names there, uh, among others, that were supposed to be contributors to this team. It was supposed to be those players that were going to help this offense take off with a new quarterback in Felipe Franks. You you were going to have your big time. Uh, receiver and Antonio Callaway to help him out. You were going to have an experienced, you know, Tyree Cleveland to be on the other side to help him out, um, and Jordan Scarlett being that running back. But it it just wasn't meant to be. Uh, as I said, it was the beginning of the end. The season starts a few weeks later. You go to Dallas, and us fans are so excited about this Michigan game. It's the game we've been waiting for. Florida doesn't open up uh, with big-time opponents a lot. You know, we we get the cupcakes. We get the gimme games of uh, the first game of the season, and Florida gets to go to Dallas, and it's a Michigan team that's replacing a ton of starters. And, you know, Jim Harbaugh and Jim McElwain's in their third years, and, you know, let's see where both programs uh, are standing on. And, uh it wasn't as close as the score was to, to, was to be indicated. He had two defensive uh, pick six touchdowns uh, that made the game a lot closer than it should have been. The offense never uh, took off. You had the offensive line uh, that was getting blown up after play after play. This Michigan defensive line that had recruited so well. And then you had an offensive line that Jim McElwain really, 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 <laughs> yeah, uh, man cave stuff still, yeah. There you go, Tony. Um, you had this offensive line that Jim McElwain praised during the during the preseason and SEC media days, and um, it was uh, even a contention of of some media, SEC media. We had uh, Cole Kublik on Gators Breakdown before the season started, and he was really high on this offensive line and how experience, you know, the, the experience that they gained in 2016, how it would translate to 2017, and how. Uh, T.J. McCoy at center was going to be this centerpiece, and you had uh, Juan, Juan Taylor at right tackle. But you know, and, and my big worry, and you know, he he didn't do bad, but he didn't do this great either. Was Avi moving to left tackle, and as much as uh, yes, he played tackle in high school, but it was tackle in a run heavy offense, very very run heavy offense. Um, he didn't have a lot of experience. He was a five star recruit based off of a run-heavy offense, and he played guard uh, his first two years in Gainesville, and now was shifted out to, to, to left tackle, and you know, he, he didn't do terrible, he wasn't terrible by any means, but he wasn't this big, great five-star living up to the, the a five-star billing at left tackle either, so, you know, it was, uh, and I see a lot of you guys saying how, you know, Mac was a snake oil salesman uh, for this offensive line, and, and it was, you know, I, I, I wasn't ready to, to to go over the edge about the offensive line. I did think they would be better. I would think it would be a some uh, a point they could rely on. And, and you know what? And as the season played on, they were they weren't as bad as it was that Michigan game. Now they were playing a much more talented team in, in Michigan, and it really showed just still how far Florida was under Jim McElwain of the the big time programs. Now Michigan wasn't a big time program. Uh, I mean, historically they are. Um, and yeah, Brett Hagee, they didn't lie about him. Actually, do absolutely lived up to the billing uh, there. Uh, you know, got hurt later on in the year, uh, but was able to play through uh, most of that. Uh, but you know, it was a it was a big stage. You had you were one of the two marquee games uh, the first week of the season, and then to basically show again that you got manhandled, um, and you didn't have yes, granted, you didn't have. Jordan Scarlett uh, as a running back to to lean on, but I don't think it would have mattered too much with the way that offensive line was built up to be and did not show up uh, as it was. We knew the talent Malik Davis was going to be uh, later on in the season. We saw that, but he had one carry against Michigan uh, for eight yards, but we never saw him again. Kadarius Tony, who we heard about all preseason, how electric playmaker he was, 
uh, you know, didn't have hard, didn't 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 get the ball a lot against Michigan, and we finally slowly as the season went on got to see um, uh, how much of a playmaker he was. We didn't get to see any of it against Michigan, so that game was just a microcosm of Jim McElwain's career. Uh, and later on in the season, just kind of how, how everything fell apart. I see the question about if Scarlett is coming coming back. Uh, still don't know about that. Um, you know, there's some things out there he's kind of maybe working out. Uh, on campus and still working out at the university, we'll kind of see how that goes. I, I haven't been able to confirm that. Um, there's this basically this new technology Florida's getting for uh, being able to in, in strength and conditioning um, area, and apparently he's supposed to be uh, among that uh, to be testing that out. Of but you know we'll see. I don't necessarily think that means anything uh, if he's going to be staying or not. Um, uh, you know, he, he's not a guy that has been in a lot. I know he's had some, been suspended in the past. He's not like a troublemaker type of guy. Uh, but you know, for as far as, as far as it is, as, as far as he is into his career, uh, much like Antonio Callaway, I, it's not going to hurt my feelings at all. If he just moves on, would I like to see his talent back in the, in the backfield and under a Dan Mullen style of offense? Absolutely. Uh, but you know, it's not going to hurt my, hurt my feelings at all. Um, you know, I see, I see a lot of jokes on here on the Periscope. Third long play action. Yeah. Uh, everybody kind of knows that, <laughs> uh, was my big bugaboo, uh, as the season, uh, went on. Uh, didn't really show up till McLean got fired though. I don't really know, uh, whatever Doug Nussmeyer was thinking that there was, that was, I didn't notice it as much before the firing as I did after the firing, you know, starting the Georgia game. I don't know why in the world we got the, the, the third and long play action uh, so much. Um, so looking at that, you know, Michigan, uh, devastating loss, definitely uh, for Jim McElwain. Um, and going back into to post game and kind of how he called out the players. I know Will Miles had spoken to that of, of how he didn't really take any of the blame upon his, his own shoulders. It was more about uh, the guys not being tough enough and that rubbed a lot, a lot of people the wrong way. And, uh, and look, as I said, that Michigan, the, the credit card scandal, the Michigan game kind of together was the beginning of the end uh, for Jim McElwain. Little did, little did we know at the time. Uh, but it kind of was the beginning of the end uh, for Jim McElwain. Hey, look, but then we still had one exciting moment uh, of the season. Oh, uh, man, I did. I, I did. Uh, thanks, Tyler. I did skip the uh, shark photo. <laughs> uh, most of it was because uh, when it was going on, I was really just tired of hearing about it. Uh, but uh, going back and looking at it, that was another thing where you could kind of go back, and as I kind of said, the beginning of the end for Jim McElwain was the credit card scandal in the, in the Michigan game. But I won't say that was the beginning of the end, the shark photo, but it kind of was one of the parts where you could say the job was too big for Jim McElwain. Uh, the, the pressure of the Florida job, of how he acted and reacted to the photo, um, very defensive. And, 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 you know, at, at that time, I kind of defended the way he was handling it uh, at first. At, at the very first, he kind of did want to shove it off and uh, kind of move on. And it was brought up even more. Uh, but it's, it, when it was brought up uh, again, I think there was a local media session that they were able to have at a, uh, at, at a function. And he really got defensive. Uh, and he let it know that it got to him. And once people knew that it got to him, that's when it was ramped up. And that's when the social media... Uh, barrage kind of happened uh, in the memes and uh, kept, kept, kept just kept being asked about it and you could tell he was irritated and he uh, the part about his, it was attacking his family and um, you know he kind of maybe 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 took that far uh, I didn't really see anywhere I, I know his family probably had to deal with it uh, the photo itself but I don't think anything was necessarily directed at them um, uh, per se uh, we'll get into that later too um, about kind of the whole family and threat and all that kind of stuff. We know that played a <laughs> huge part in, in the decision of Jim McElwain. Uh, but, you know, then it kind of died down. And I knew going into SEC media days it was going to be brought up because the national media hadn't got a chance to talk to Jim McElwain about it yet. It was local media who'd only really got a chance. And SEC media days rolled around. And you had uh, the shark photo, the, the shark 
for being brought back up. So, you know, that's just the, the pressure of the Florida job. And not every coach has to go through that. Don't get me wrong, but it is, you know, if that photo would have been Jim McElwain at Colorado State, eh, you would have, you would have, you would have heard about it. It would have been, you know, back page news. It wouldn't have been front page news. It wouldn't have been shared on Twitter and Facebook and social media like it was. So, you know, being the head coach of Florida kind of brought that back, um, uh, kind of brought that back in a way uh, to where it was ramped up more than it would have been uh, anywhere else. So that lets you know how different this Florida job is and I think was probably one of the first steps um, in um, first steps in, in putting the pressure uh, on Jim McElwain in 2017. So also I mentioned the Michigan game, how big of a debacle that was and how we got something exciting Look, I was in the stadium with the, the, the Tennessee game, and, you know, granted that the season was going to kind of snowball a couple weeks after that, or a few weeks after that, as far as the losing, starting the losing streak with starting the LSU game. There was still an, an exciting time. Uh, we had the canceled game because of the hurricane. Uh, so, you know, Tennessee was only the second game of the season. You had them visiting the swamp. Uh, you had them trying to get, you know, Florida needed revenge from, from last year of, the, of Tennessee ending, ending the streak. Uh, what's going, you know, that was in, ended in Knoxville the year before. CBS come to us on another 3.30 game. We get the national televised audience and we get the bomb at the end from, 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 from Felipe Franks to Tyree Cleveland. And look, and, and I think I kind of speak for a lot of people where we hope that was going to be the, the spark that led Felipe Franks to to be in something special for the at quarterback for Florida. We hope that that was the spark. He didn't have a great game, of course, uh, but it was you had a great fourth quarter uh, from Florida uh, that you know I think Brandon Powell uh, scored a touchdown to to bring it up, uh, and then um, or not not it wasn't a great fourth quarter. Florida was up. Tennessee kind of fought back uh, a little bit, and then you had a, a late touchdown. Uh, from Brandon Powell, I believe that kind of, uh, I can't remember the, the direct layout of that game. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but do, of course, remember the end of it where the last play of the game, you had a bomb from Franks to Tyree Cleveland. And we was hoping that was going to be the, the, uh, the, the, the thing that took this Florida offense off. Um, you know, Florida's defense in, the, in that game started off very well, but then you had John Kelly, who I was really afraid of. Uh, uh, that Tennessee offense being able to be uh, a a cog in breaking tackles and being a threat in the passing game. That's kind of where we knew um, that was going to be – where did I get the chair? Uh, Actually, it was a Christmas present for my wife. We actually just put it together. So (laughs) uh, it's uh, what we're going to see with Felipe Franks and and Tyree Cleveland and that bomb, it was going to be a a spark. It was going to be – where Felipe Franks was going to be that quarterback where Jim McElwain and Doug Dustmeyer could hang their hat on. Uh, but that wasn't to be the case. Uh, we know Florida went to Kentucky. Hey, kept the streak. Two, two things about the season that we can still hang our hats on and, and be happy about. Not, not a lot. Uh, getting rid of Mac it was uh, part of it. was a great part of it. Uh, but he also gave us uh, another you know bomb against Tennessee to do that, and then kept the streak against Kentucky. Felipe Frank struggled in that game. Luke Del Rio come in. You had a uh, offense that was struggling, and a, but then an offense where Luke Del Rio come in and looked more calm. You can see the checks that were being made uh, before. I, and I actually caught that game a couple of days ago, uh, actually, when I was uh, at work, and we had the SEC Network on, and you had um, Luke Del Rio come in and threw a pick on that first drive, and it was like, oh, here we go again. Um, but then, you know, he, he let it. We thought he would take over. He gets hurt uh, against Vanderbilt, I, I do believe, but Florida breaks away in that game. Uh, but then, you know, kind of everything started falling apart. You lose to LSU. You lose to Texas A&M. You had a bye week. And death threats. Um, and, <laughs> you know, at, at the time, I... I didn't like the whole death threats, but never did I think it would lead to Jim McElwain being fired. I uh, thought something would happen. I 
as I said, I didn't think it would go that far. Um, but then you had the week that was the week after the bye week. That was the Monday leading up to the Georgia game. Uh, but then you know it was kind of pressed. And then you had the Wednesday SEC coaches teleconference. It was brought up then. Uh, but then uh, I got a you know I started some sources started messaging me on Thursday, <clears throat> and they said, "Look, this death threat thing got a little bit bigger, more than it should have." Uh, Jim McElwain can't prove anything. Uh, at the time earlier in the week, we knew he wouldn't share much more information with the university, kind of standoffish about it. Uh, and I was was told that the university is going to try and get out of it, and McElwain would be done over the weekend. Uh, against Georgia, no matter win or lose against Georgia, that he would be done. Then Saturday morning rolls around uh, before uh, the Florida-Georgia game, and there's a lot of smoke starting to come out of, you know, SEC Network had to respond to it. Um, yeah, Tim Tebow and uh, we had Laura Rutledge on our Gators Breakdown podcast a couple weeks ago, and she was saying they were sitting there talking about it and uh, off air, and they were asked, they were asking Tebow, um, what would you know, what what should they do? And Tebow said, well, we should talk about it, we should run with it, um, and you know, somebody with Tebow's stature, somebody with Tebow's knowledge uh, of the Florida program, uh, maybe he had heard something. And you know, we had, like I said, I had heard the Thursday before uh, that Jim McElwain was done with it, so I'm sure it started getting around a lot. And I, and I see a lot of people asking if the death threat thing was orchestrated, and I don't know. I don't. I, it was. Yeah, and I mean, somebody else also with Strickland's response. Yeah, it wasn't going to turn out good once Strickland came out and really didn't defend McElwain and talked about how he was. Uh, hiding, uh, not not willing to share the more info um, uh, about that. And Tyler Rosie brings up a good point. Maybe he was looking for sympathy, sympathy, and it backfired. I, I think that probably had more to do with it than him actually, you know, wanting to make it up as a, as a way out. Um, now don't get me wrong. Look, I, I think you know we mentioned this on the podcast a lot. Every coach to me, a uh, big time program gets death threats. A lot of players get death threats. That's no excuse. Um, you know, the fans shouldn't act that way at all. You know, enjoy the game, be a football fan, uh, but don't take it that far. Um, but I do think uh, Jim McElwain uh, probably, you know, took it a little bit too far. Uh, the reach on that was a little too far. Um, if, you, if you're not going to bring specific examples and if you're not going to bring specific examples where you fear for your life, um, then don't bring it up at all. And if you're not willing to – if you're not really to – dive more into it and, 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 and tell the university um, and give them specific examples and put – look, you can't hide that if it's all that true. You're putting student athletes if, – if you believe those threats to be real enough where you came out publicly, publicly with it, which I'm assuming, I'm assuming he did, he thought they were big enough to come out publicly with, then you have to tell the university and – just, you can't put if there was a certain student athlete that they targeted uh, as a death threat, then you know the university needs to know so they can make sure that student athlete or student athletes in general are safe and uh, are not put in harm's way by you hiding a death threat if that was so real um, that you know, that uh, you can't hide that and then expect. Um, to to not deluge more information uh, about how that goes. Sorry, guys. I know it's kind of uh, kind of fumbling over my words here, but I'm trying to read read what you guys are sending us to uh, as I'm reading about it. So yeah, that that situation was definitely uh, as I mentioned the beginning of the end was a credit card and the credit card scandal in the Michigan game. This right here was uh, the explosion. <laughs> this was uh, kaboom. Uh, boom goes to dynamite, uh, as the, the, the popular phrase from years ago uh, said. That was the beginning of the end. Uh, and the Georgia game was a blowout. Uh, and then we know the day of, the, the next day. Um, and look, the university even had to put out a statement that Saturday, a Florida-Georgia game. Look, nothing's, nothing's happening, blah, blah, blah. Uh, we defend Coach Mack uh, for the Florida-Georgia game today, uh, blah, blah. But we know Sunday coming along, the day after, um, it couldn't be – it couldn't be hidden too much more. Sunday morning, it really started leaking out that something was going to happen, and we had a press conference 
uh, Sunday afternoon, day after Florida Georgia game, uh, that Jim McElwain was going to be let go. Uh, it was a quote, quote, mutual parting of ways. Um, and, uh, you know, pretty much, I think at that point, Jim McElwain wanted out. I think Florida wanted out. Uh, this kind of goes all the way back to McElwain's first year. I've even heard Jim uh, Jeremy Foley had buyer's remorse not too long after the season started. Uh, we always knew about McElwain's public um, public way of going about, you know, putting negative connotations out there that the facilities weren't up to standards and uh, kind of complaining uh, about the the lack of. Of you know the lack of support that he would have from the higher ups and how it would need to get better and he came in and he looked at the indoor practice facility that started under Will Muschamp of getting that done but Jim McElwain came in and kind of scrapped that and made it a bigger nicer indoor facility so you know McElwain can get credit for that uh, but you know Florida knew uh, once Jeremy Foley left and Scott Strickland come in that look Florida already knew that the facilities needed to be. Upgraded. There was no need in keep attacking the administration uh, about the, the 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 lack of facilities. That look, Florida knew that there were plans being made to get the facilities in order for Florida. But McElwain just kept rubbing and kept ribbing, and you know, yes, we got it. We knew that, and we knew that was a uh, we knew that was being used against Florida in recruiting and all that, but it was being taken care of. You could have dropped it at any moment, but it continued after the bowl game against Iowa and all that stuff. So it was, it, it, you know, it was just a bad marriage from the start. Uh, if you go back and ask some people about it, and, you know, I guess I said Jeremy Foley had buyer's remorse year one, even though Florida was winning uh, year one about midway through that season. Uh, I think things started going south of how Jim McElwain, a lot of people say he was standoffish as well compared, um, you know, in comparing to others, other head coaches of other sports, uh, didn't really take place in a lot of functions for the university. I thought he was better, uh, didn't, and didn't really want to be around the university. So, you know what? Jim McElwain wanted out. Florida wanted out. Uh, it was an ugly way of it happening, uh, but it happened. And I think Florida's better for it. We know the way the rest of the season played out. Um, no really need to, to dive into that. That was so negative. Um, but now we have we have we have the death threats. Jim McElwain's fired, and Florida makes a, a great hire uh, in Dan Mullen. We all remember the coaching search of how it was close to a, close to a done deal of Chip Kelly coming to Florida. Um, you know there was mutual interest there. Um, you know, was he coming to Florida? Was there a contract signed? Was there an agreement in somehow, some way? Uh, we hey, look, we know Florida went went up there and met with him. Um, and I always put to myself, uh, it, it was, uh, and I put it out there that um, you know, I don't, there's no way you go up there and not offer a contract or an agreement of some sorts. Uh, I believe Florida at, at one point may have thought they had an agreement with, with Chip Kelly. Um, I think he was probably their first choice. Um, that didn't work out. Um, but, you know, then you had Scott Frost, Dan Mullen, Willie Taggart, all those names that really came out. Um, the Mullen's name really died down. Uh, once he did it, um, once the Chip Kelly name started coming out, Dan Mullen's name died down a little bit. He was definitely one of the, 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 the names that was brought up when Jim McElwain was first fired. You started, you had articles and our podcast and other shows out there and NCC Network, of course, throwing out who should be the next Florida head coach. And Dan Mullen's name was at or near the top. And he was definitely near the top when uh, on the Argators Breakdown podcast after the fact. Um, yeah, he was also in the Tennessee Turkles. Tennessee circles uh, Tyler brought up and look he would probably be the Tennessee head coach right now had Florida not stepped in um thanks that the week of Thanksgiving the FSU game uh, as well Florida came in um uh, Tennessee had already talked to him uh, at that point um and then Florida swooped in Florida was the job he wanted now uh, of course he knew the job was open um Jim McElwain had been fired 
He had a relationship with Scott Strickland. A lot of people kind of blew that up that they didn't really get along. Some people had blown up the fact that Jim, uh, that uh, Dan Mullen would not be a fit up Florida because his wife wasn't happy before. Uh, he didn't really get along with the higher-ups at Florida uh, at, at that time. And that really looks to be, oh, if you go back and look at it, kind of been overblown uh, a little bit. And Dan Mullen uh, was hired after, you know, we the Saturday of the FSU game. You know, we woke up uh, and returned on college game day. Chip Kelly's named head coach of UCLA. And I went to bed that Saturday night hearing – uh, I wasn't hearing Dan Mullen's name. As I said, his name had been died. His name died down once the Chip Kelly uh, news kind of started out. And then look, there's been interviews with Dan Mullen and Scott Strickland that says they didn't talk until the week of the FSU game. They did not talk until either the Thursday or Friday before the FSU game. And that would have been. I think it was Friday because they he he contacted Strickland contacted Mullen after the Egg Bowl after the uh, Mississippi Mississippi State uh, uh, Egg Bowl game on Thursday uh, Thanksgiving night. Um, Strickland contacted Mullen. Hey, look, we're inter interested. Let's talk some more. We have a game against FSU tomorrow, but I'm going to call you after that game uh, and see what happens. So Mullen's got a day to think about it. Florida plays Florida State. He gets a call from Scott Strickland. Boom. They agree to a deal. Dan Mullen will be the next head coach of the Florida Gators. And look, it, it started with a bang. Uh, Gator Nation was pretty excited. He gets off the plane in Gainesville uh, with the biggest smile on his face, Gator chomping, uh, shaking people's hands throughout the airport, uh, much different from when, from when Jim McElwain came in. Uh, and look, uh, they had Florida, and Florida did a really good job also, uh, you know, the, the media team there, uh, following Dan Mullen's day. Uh, you could go through, you could watch all the, the from when he landed and did the chomp out of the door, um, got into a car, uh, was uh, talking to the photographer that was in the back seat. Uh, hey, look, I'm, uh, nah, I'm excited. I'm ready to get there. I'm ready to get to the swamp. I'm ready to get this thing going. Then he has his opening press conference. And, uh, yeah, his, his family's chomping throughout the airport. Um, they have pictures being taken. Uh, Dan Muller showing off of his, his national championship ring in the airport. You could just genuinely feel it as this. Um, the, as the media is sharing videos right away. I remember I was watching the Periscope uh, of when he landed and they were following through the airport and he could not wipe the smile off of his face and he was talking about, hey, look, I haven't worn this national championship ring since I left Gainesville. Uh, <coughs> and uh, uh, he was showing it off, getting pictures taken. Uh, it was just... It, it was just uh, you could tell he wanted to be here. He wanted to be a Gator. He wanted to be in Gainesville. He's ready to, to turn this program around. He's ready to rekindle the, the feeling of Gator Nation when he was offensive coordinator and, and led this Gator offense. And he gets his opening press conference, and he mentions Steve Spurrier by name. There was a lot of talk out there that, that Steve Spurrier uh, – didn't want uh, Dan Mullen. One of some other one of the other coaches was backing Charlie Strong and all that. And that seems to be overblown uh, as well. Um, Tyler brings up, yeah, he answered the tough questions. You know, of course, the question was brought up about his wife and her comments about not liking Gainesville and all that. He goes, look, you know, it is what it was at, at the time. Um, he, he didn't shy away from that question. He answered it and then I answered the question about the, the offense and, and turning it around. Um, and, and quarterback and developing a quarterback. Uh, he didn't say his dog can play quarterback, so that's a good. Uh, that, that was a good start. <laughs> uh, but no, uh, more uh, more serious. You know, he didn't. Uh, he just didn't shy away. Um, he he had a quite. He had a confidence, much like McElwain did, uh, that he could get the job done. But uh, it, it was a different type of confidence. It was um, one of confidence and, and happy. And being able to to take about what it would take to get this uh, Florida program turned around, starting with quarterback, starting with getting the attitude, it was different from also the fact Scott Strickland mentioned it, Dan Mullen mentioned it, and we've heard the stories come out since Jim McElwain's firing of strength and conditioning would be a big part. Strength and conditioning is going to be one of the difference makers in turning this Florida program about. And I, I, I've heard it from multiple sources about how 
How about I talk to a high school coach that I work with who has been to Gainesville on visits and they got to, they, they, they go and they tour uh, the, the, the campus and just talk about how, how dirty the weight room was, how messy it was. There was towels thrown everywhere. Nothing was put back together. And they said how they would go uh, on other visits. He would take his, you know, his, 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 um, his high school players on other visits and just see how they, they fix up this stuff and um, how the weight room was, was a display and not the messy mess it was uh, uh, in Gainesville. But, you know, look, uh, Dan Mullen knows what it takes. Uh, Dan Mullen is coming from Mississippi State. And winning with three stars and JUCOs and developing quarterbacks and you had Dak Prescott in the Heisman conversation, had Mississippi State ranked number one in the nation in the very first college football poll that came out, Mississippi State was ranked number one. He's doing that with much less talent than he would get at Florida. He's going to have five stars. He's going to have four stars. He's going to develop the other guys uh, that need developing that are currently on the roster. You know, I think we can see, I think we will, I don't know how fast the turnaround will be. Uh, and Will Miles had an article about just how his creativity alone will probably help this Florida team much more than what we've seen in the past. Um, you know, Dan Mullen, he, he's gonna, he knows what it takes by being in the SEC for years and being able to go head-to-head against Alabama, head-to-head against LSU, head-to-head against Auburn, being pretty competitive against those teams. Now, you know, Alabama, of course, we, we know what happens there. Most of the teams don't, most teams don't beat, those, beat, that, uh, beat that monster that's owning the SEC West, but he was competitive against LSU, Auburn, Texas A&M, teams that out-recruited him every year. Ole Miss, we know the, the sanctions they're in. To, 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 get, to get the recruits to, to Ole Miss that, Miss that Dan Mullen couldn't get in Mississippi State, Ole Miss had to go out and cheat to do it. You know, Mullen didn't go out and, and get popped for cheating and trying to get the uh, recruits to, to, to start Phil. He did it with his three stars and JUCOs and two stars. And, you know, yes, and don't, don't get me wrong. He had his four stars and his five stars. You know, uh, Jeffrey Simmons is the five star they have on the roster. Uh, but, you know, he built that roster up to, to be competitive in the SEC West. And look, if Mississippi State would have been the SEC East, they're probably playing in, in SEC championship games against Alabama and Auburn and LSU. Uh, so it is um, – you go back and, and look at it this year – had Alabama beat um, Bama, it took a, a fourth, late fourth quarter drive to, to take the lead against Mississippi State. And look, he had that team on the on the cusp of uh, of beating Alabama. They destroyed LSU a couple weeks before LSU come to the swamp and, and and defeated Florida. Look, that wasn't even a game. It was from from the get go. Mississippi State just slaughtered LSU. Uh, and, you know, it didn't look as good of a win because LSU turns around and lose to Troy as well against homecoming, but uh, LSU turned out to be a pretty good team uh, later on in the year. Uh, so, you know, Dan Mullen knows what it takes. He knows he knows the state of Florida. He knows the type of quarterbacks it, it, it takes to have success in the SEC and uh, the type of quarterbacks it takes to beat a team like Bama and, you know, and, and Auburn and LSU, A&M, those teams. Uh, those teams are still going to recruit well. And, look, he's going to be dealing with Georgia in the SEC East, much like the Alabama monster uh, in the West. And if, if Kirby Smart and Georgia doesn't slow down recruiting um, uh, uh, like they've done in Kirby Smart's first two years, look, Dan Mullen now is going to have a state talent base he can recruit to to play against that. Uh, you still got to re- – and you guys know I'm a stars matter guy. You got to have the four stars and five stars. But if you get four stars and five stars that are comparable to what George is getting, what's going to take over after that is going to take coaching. Coaching is going to take over after that. And we've seen Dan Mullen can be a good coach with three stars and four stars and sprinkle in a five-star here and there. But you get these rosters equal. Coaching is what's going to take over after that. Development is what's going to take over after that. And we've seen he knows how to do that. So give him a year or so, get, let him get his feet under the look. And, and you guys know I've, I've preached this on the – past couple of podcasts this early signing period has changed some things uh and look 
he, he's hit the transfer market very well. Trayvon Grimes, Van Jefferson, a receiver. Hopefully those guys will be eligible for 2018. Uh, went and got his big four-star quarterback in Emory Jones, who's a fit for his system. Uh, can he come in day one and, and be the quarterback Dan Mullen can build on? You know, we'll see how that happens. But, you know, we'll see. Do you give the keys to a freshman right away and, and let him build? <coughs> I don't know how Dan Mullen views that. And, and uh, you know, I, I don't know how much he'll view experience uh, over, I mean, look, there's not a lot of experience in his system or a system any kind of similar to his on the Florida roster. Um, Franks, no. Pro-style quarterback under Jim McElwain. Trask, Jake Allen, all these guys are drop-back, three-step, five-step, seven-step seven step passers. And, um, you know, not a spread, run, um, type of offense. Now, can Felipe Franks get some development and, and be a, a quarterback that can rely on? We'll see. I don't know. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't believe in it. Uh, but, you know, I, I'm not going to judge these quarterbacks that we've seen the last three years under the previous regime with no development, no you know lack of coaching. Um, I'm not going to judge them too harshly on what they can be under Dan Mullen. Uh, Dan Mullen's proven time and time again he can develop a quarterback. Uh, we've seen Franks have a little bit of mobility. Um, he's a big body type of quarterback um, that um, Dan Mullen likes. So, you know, we'll see. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens in the spring. Uh, Amy Jones will be an early enrollee. So, look, he gets – even more months of preparation uh, to be a starting quarterback as a freshman, and uh, you know, and um, Mullen's offense. You know, can he can he cater to a true freshman? I think so. Um, it might be a even more run heavy offense than what we eventually see uh, under under Dan Mullen. But you but you know, you can't waste, it, especially if you have Van Jefferson, Trayvon Grimes, Tyree Cleveland, uh, Kadarius Tony lining up. Uh, at receiver, uh, you know, you would hate to kind of waste those guys' uh, talent. Um, if you, but you've got to, you got to bring along a quarterback. You can, you can't throw him to the fire and expect him to throw for four hundred yards, especially in Dan Mullen's offense. That's not what it's going to be anyway. It's going to be uh, the perfect Dan Mullen offense game. Will be, of course, for every offense is about five hundred yards. But if Dan Mullen can have two hundred and fifty rushing and two hundred and fifty passing. That's what he wants. <laughs> and so you'll have, hopefully, Malik Davis coming back. He proved how big of a weapon he can be. Well, Michael Pirine's coming back. We've got Damian Pierce coming in as a big, my favorite recruit uh, on, on the offensive side of the ball uh, coming in. Darius Lemons, who's shown that he can be, I, I think he's shown enough late in the season that he should have been being able, being able to play more, especially when Malik Davis went down. Lemons should have been even more of a factor in the offense than he was. Um, so, you know, that's kind of you know, some more looking at 2017 uh, as going back. So, yeah, but you can you can look at the current roster and, and apply it to what we may see in the spring. Uh, I, I do believe it's going to be, in year one, it is going to be a pretty run-heavy offense. And in the passing game, it'll be big plays. It'll be... Run the ball, run the ball, run the ball at success. Draw those defenders up, wanting to stop the run, wanting to stop that quarterback run. Spy a quarterback with a safety or a linebacker. Boom! You hit them over the, throw it over their heads for big plays. So yeah, it's going to be. You know, if I had to put a percentage on it, seventy thirty, maybe sixty five percent. You know, seventy seventy percent, sixty five percent passing. Uh, the rest. Or running, I'm sorry, 70% running, 65% running, the rest passing, and then I think we'll we'll go from there. If there's more passing than that, uh, maybe some things aren't going as planned. <laughs> maybe uh, Florida's having a fight back in some games late. But uh, somebody else mentioned, I didn't get the catch who the name was, as it was, schedule sets up for it. Now, schedule sets up, uh, I think, Charleston Southern's the first game of the year. Uh, look, Dan Mullen's got some uh, history with Charleston Southern, opening up with Charleston Southern. Uh, Mississippi, Mississippi State, I think, struggled uh, with them um, opening up the season uh, either this year or last year. I can't remember. Mississippi State uh, did struggle with Charleston Southern uh, in one of those years. But, um, I mean, yeah, you, you have uh, the SEC East still. Uh, you know, Georgia would be the overwhelming favorite when the media picks are coming in. But, look, Tennessee's got a brand-new head coach. They'll be working in, in Kentucky. Hey, look, 
there's a there's a uh, yeah they did lose to South Alabama that one year too. Uh, so I, that, that is another thing, and I'll dive into that later in the year. Of course, I want to see how Ben Mullen reacts first game because you go back and look at his history at Mississippi State, they struggled a lot in that first game of the season. Um, so you know we'll see how that goes uh, later uh, as we get definitely closer to 2018. Um, but, yeah, you, you look at uh, the rest of the SEC East. Georgia will be picked, as I mentioned. Tennessee replacing the coach. Kentucky is Kentucky. Um, I agree. He'll want to run that score up the first, uh, the first game. Um, Florida's, Florida's better than Kentucky. Uh, I don't think it matters what the record is right now. Uh, we've seen things kind of happen. Uh, maybe Florida shouldn't have won that game this past year, but uh, it happened. Uh, so, but, you know, over, for the most part, Florida's better than Kentucky. Uh, more times uh, than not. There's uh, there's a reason the streak is what it is right now. Um, Vanderbilt, you know, Florida's better. Florida's roster is better than Vanderbilt, no matter what the head coach uh, is. Missouri, that's uh, a team maybe to watch out for, but you know, we'll see what happens with Drew Lott, the roster offensive coordinator, who's now head coach at Central Florida, and Josh Heupel. Uh, so South Carolina would probably be a Georgia pick to win the East. Florida, South Carolina will be, um, you know. Looked at to, to finish second or uh, finish second and third, uh, along with Tennessee there. Uh, Florida, yeah, Florida, South Carolina, Tennessee. I think you know, you know Jeremy Pruitt's getting a lot of uh, rave reviews so far for how he's come in and hired staff and how he's kind of recruiting at Tennessee uh, right now too. Uh, so you know we'll kind of see. Uh, you look at um, year one expectations. We know. Um, that's what I was trying to think of. I know somebody's asking Drew Lott back. I don't know if he's declared yet or not. I don't. I, I, know, I know he hasn't declared yet. So um, should he? Uh, would Josh Hoppel leaving as offensive coordinator? That may make him give thoughts to going ahead and, and leaving and going ahead and testing the NFL waters. Uh, but the problem is, it is a pretty competitive quarterback um, heavy draft. So he may want to wait a year. Uh, maybe he, if he can have another year. Uh, and putting up the numbers he's put up the last two years, it may make his stock rise uh, a little bit more. So, you know, he, he probably probably wouldn't be a top-five quarterback uh, going into the draft this coming up year. Uh, so maybe if he comes back, puts up some big numbers. But, you know, we'll see. Hypo leaving may, uh, may just make it where uh, we'll see. I don't know if Missouri's made an offensive coordinator hire yet either, so I don't know if it would be a similar system or not. Uh, it would benefit them if it was, and you could keep Locke another year um, going about that. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know where the media will go when it comes around to picking second in the SEC East next year. Um, it will be with Georgia, of course, uh, being picked to, to, to win it. Uh, but with the way Missouri finished out the season, uh, Florida with Dan Mullen, you would have to think the media is kind of going to eat that up um, and, and say how Florida will be much improved. Uh, Tennessee with a new coach, and Kentucky, South Carolina, all those teams. Um, <laughs> somebody say no interview for Missouri next week. Uh, offensive coordinator there. So, yeah, you got LSU and Mississippi State out of the West next year for the Gators. So, Dan Mullen's first year, guess what? He's got to go back to Starkville as Gators head coach. So, uh, that's going to be an interesting storyline that week. Uh, of uh, of Dan Mullen's uh, first year uh, as head coach at uh, at Florida. So, ah, off the top of my head, record, um, man, I don't know. It's uh, it's kind of tough. Uh, Tyler saying eight and a half should be over under. Uh, I'll probably agree with that. Eight, eight and a half. So, could you see Florida going nine and three or eight and four? Um, Marcel Harris eligible for another year injury. I think he's eligible for another year, so we'll see what he does. Uh, he was close to declaring last year for the NFL draft, but decided to come back. So I don't know what he'll do with the injury. Uh, but going back to the to the record, nine and three, eight and four. Uh, if you just off the top of my head, say for sure, well, not maybe for sure losses, but games that where you would probably say Florida's going to be the underdog in. Um, Maybe underdogs at Tennessee. I'd probably pick Florida to win that game, though. Um, Georgia, FSU for sure, they'll be underdogs in uh, going to Tallahassee, as it stands right now. I don't know how the season will play out, but as it stands right now, if Vegas was to pick it, they would FSU would be favored. Uh, so, you know, so that, that's two losses there. Uh, you would have to say there's 
you know, LSU would put, they would be probably underdogs at home to LSU as it would stand right now. So that's three games, uh, four games if you count Tennessee at Tennessee, they would probably be underdogs in right now too. So that's eight and four right now with games that would either be toss ups or the games they would be, uh, underdogs in, um, yeah, I mean, probably underdogs at maybe underdogs at Mississippi State too. Yeah, you're right, uh, Terrence. So, yeah, that's that's five there where you can point to saying they would at least you know the Tennessee game it could be a pick'em. Uh, South Carolina, that's what I'm saying. South Carolina is at home is another pick'em. So yeah, I mean you're looking at probably half the schedule where Florida would be underdogs or pick'ems. Uh, so yeah, I don't. Hopefully in Dan Mullen's first year, you don't, you don't lose all those games and you're in your six and six. So. Um, I'd say I'd, I'd, ideally nine and three, realistic eight and four, uh, maybe. So, you know, we'll kind of, kind of see how, how that goes. Um, look, one reason Mississippi State has the, one reason you might put them as underdogs against Mississippi State would be because of what Dan Mullen built them up to be. And Dan Mullen's not going to be there. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Um, you know, so, that, you know, that was kind of a look back at 2017, uh, a little bit of a look ahead to, uh, to uh, 2018. Uh, best friend Josh jumps in, 8-4 and four for Florida next year. Like I said, that's probably where I'd, I'd put him at, too. Uh, what are the four losses? I'll say Georgia. I still can't pick Florida to beat FSU just yet. Um, not just not just yet. Uh, do I want to? Of course I do. Um LSU's a better team right now till we see whatever um, we see from, from them. But that Florida-LSU game, look, it's uh, Florida-LSU is always a tough game. It's always a, it's always a flip of the coin type of game uh, just because right now it looks like Florida's the worst team. Um, doesn't, mean, doesn't mean they'll lose. Um, but, you know, there's, a, there's three games I think you can point to uh, at Starkville is going to be tough too. Uh, there's going to be some emotions running high for Dan Mullen going into that game uh, early in the season. You know, if the, if the offensive kinks aren't worked out, you got to go to Tennessee. That's going to be a tough game as well. Uh, Kentucky's look always, you know, in recent history been a tough game for Florida. Uh, two years ago was a blowout, of course, at, at home in the swamp. Uh, when Luke Del Weir went off, but uh, besides that, those those games against Kentucky have been pretty close as well. Uh, so, you know, year one or Dan Mullen, it's kind of hard to get a gauge on, but, you know, I could definitely see no better than 9-3. and three. I, I just, that would be really, really, really tough to see better than 9-3. and three. I think 8-4 and four is probably more realistic. Um, Georgia, FSU, LSU, that's three losses there. So that's what I'm saying. I, I can point to probably three losses. Picking a fourth loss is, is kind of tough, but when you go against South Carolina, Tennessee, Kentucky, LSU, Mississippi State, there we go. I think, uh, and, I, and I see somebody saying, you know, flip the record, that'll be progress. You know, probably so. Um, you look at, you know, seven and five would be kind of hard to swallow, but if it's seven and five and maybe hitting around the Georgia game on, you start seeing the offense kind of take off. Fans would probably take that if the offense looks pretty good toward the end of the year. Seven and five would be kind of a tough pill to swallow uh, if the offense is still kind of struggling. Uh, a little bit, but if you hey look, if you're playing with a true freshman quarterback and Emory Jones, then look, you start seeing progress about halfway through the season throughout, and there's something to point to. Um, you know, then then you can get excited, maybe even with five losses. But you know, eight and four in offensive progress. Then you're looking for a big 2019 uh, with an experienced uh, team coming back um, there. So you know, we'll kind of see offensive line as somebody else just said. Offensive line key will be play. Offensive line play will be key. And how far and in in what Florida is going to move forward uh, with their uh, different strength and conditioning uh, that hopefully it will be better. But look, it's a it's a new new horizon, new things for um, new th- 2018. Looking back at 2017, yes, I know it wasn't pretty, <laughs> but going back and looking at it, uh, it's kind of what we do toward the end of the year. Um, new Year's resolution, of course. Hey, just be a better team. Uh, absolutely, that's what Florida fans hope for. Uh, that's what we want to see. Um, yeah, absolutely. Nine and three is definitely attainable. Like I said, schedule does set up nicely, uh, but we'll see how we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. But uh, guys, and girls out there, thanks for everything 
and you've done for uh, 2017. Uh, it's been a big, big year for Gators Breakdown. I can't, Im- I never imagined it would be growing into uh, one of the most popular Gator podcast stuff out there. Uh, big thanks to Bill and Will for for joining me and um, helping it, helping it grow. I can't, I can't thank those guys enough. Uh, it is a uh, Look, we don't get paid for this. <laughs> this thing has been for fun. Yes, we had that little little run where we had a little bit of a sponsorship, but that basically just paid for uh, all the stuff that I had to have SoundCloud hosted. So, <laughs> um, uh, you know, a lot of this, it, it, a lot of, we take time away, time away from our family. And uh, during the season, three shows a week, uh, while we're all working our normal full-time 40-hour-a-week job, sometimes even more than that, so... You know, all the kind words and all the interaction we have with you guys on Twitter. Uh, thanks a lot. Makes it all worth it. Uh, look, we look we look at it this way. We're going to talk Gator football anyway, so we might as well do it uh, on, a, on a platform where we get to interact with you guys. We're going to talk. We're going to talk football anyway. We get to go on Google Hangouts or YouTube Hangouts and have a live show. I turn it into a podcast and, you know, you guys uh, just just eat it up and, you know, all the thanks that uh, come our way and, you know, we thank you guys out there for interacting with us. Uh, it's um, it's made it a lot of fun. So, like, as I said, 2018, hopefully um, some big things are coming, uh, the, way, the way things are looking. Uh, so keep your ears open. Keep your eyes open. Uh, we'll have some when things go. As I said, Will, as I mentioned at the beginning of, the, uh, of this Periscope here, uh, as, I, as I will turn it into a Gators Breakdown Plus uh, episode. Um, but, yeah, Will's got his readreaction.com uh, website. You can go and uh, check out his articles there um, at Bill Sykes. You can find him on Twitter at Real B. Sykes. And follow for all his analysis there. Will Miles on Twitter at Will Miles SEC. You can follow me on Twitter. Uh, host of Gators Breakdown, um, uh, David Waters at Gator Dave underscore SEC. So guys and girls out there, uh, like I said, thanks for everything in 2017. We're looking forward to 2018, making Gators Breakdown even bigger, uh, doing some even bigger and better things. Um, and so you know, stay tuned. 2018 will be a good year for the Gators. See you later.